Hello. This is a good day. I am so excited to welcome Vanessa Marie Jewsbury to the podcast today. Vanessa is a spiritual teacher, a Reiki master, an author of a number of books, including a series called Simple Journals. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? Um, I teach a lot of self-love. That's my main, well, with Reiki, but that's my main, I feel like at the root, self-love is missing. So I kind of went on that journey of helping people uh, discover and connect to their own um, well of self-love. Yeah. It's one of the things that really drew me to your work was that foundation of self-love because we don't give ourselves enough space to feel that self-love. And I really appreciated your voice. And the first time I was introduced to you was by a friend of mine who got me this book, um, The Heart is Where the Home Is. And for about a year, every morning, I just open it up to a random page to see what the message was. Uh, and today I haven't, I haven't looked at it for a little while because I've been using um, simple journals, yeah. but I thought today I would open it up and see where it landed. And it, it, I opened to you're always on the right path and no more waiting. Perfect. And the messages in these two passages were so powerful for where, I am at right now and for this conversation. So I was really grateful. Would you be okay if I read um, the passage of you're always on the right path? Of course, yeah. Okay. So you're always on the right path. Are you on the right path? The short answer is absolutely. Even when that path feels wrong, you're going in the right direction. The experiences we encounter, the good and the bad, are necessary for our growth and development. The lessons they provide arm us with tools and knowledge we require to continue along our journey. We have been many times, there have been many times in my life where I could have thought I was on the wrong path, but those unpleasant experiences led me to where I am today. Even though it won't feel like it at the time, the challenge is knowing and believing that our failures and mistakes will provide us with tremendous learning opportunities. It is up to us what we do with those lessons. If you listen closely in these situations, your unconscious will suggest to you that perhaps it's time for a change. This is when you must go within, your, within for self-reflection and to see what you can do differently. Our higher self is always looking out for our best interest. It's the little voice in the back of our mind that tries to steer us in the right direction when we're making choices that don't align with us spiritually, mentally, emotionally, or physically. It's our inner guidance system and intuitive wisdom looking out for us. Engage each day with an attitude of positivity and gratitude and follow your path with trust and believe that every step is a step towards your truth. I, haven't, I re released that in 2018. So like that's almost five years ago. So it's, it's kind of neat to hear my words back. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's lovely. I appreciate reading that. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
So how did you start out on your path of self-love? Um, uh, my path of self, sorry, my path of self-love started when I was going through a lot of, um, situations like externally with people. And it was a situation where it was kind of triggering old wounds in me where there wasn't healing done. And I just remember like kind of being familiar with how I was feeling. I'm like, this feels familiar. Like what is happening? And it was kind of, it was, it was past wounds that were triggered and open. And then I realized that there was so much in my life that I was tolerating and accepting from other people that weren't, that wasn't healthy because I was lacking the love for myself. Like I just accepted anything because we, we often want to appease other people. We don't want to upset other people. And when we're missing that um, element of self-love, we can just literally let people walk all over us. Like we'll just, we uh, go against the grain of our own soul just to make other people happy and comfortable. Um, and then that is what led me on the journey of like building the relationship with myself and healing those past wounds. So, so I attract even different relationships and friendships in my life that, that, uh, from a loving place. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was a, it was, um, a beautiful journey. That's why I love teaching that to other people right now. Um, but yeah, it's very re rewarding. And I feel like that's at the core of all is like, we're missing the self-love component and maybe we didn't receive it in our childhood. Those emotional connections we needed from the people that were important in our lives weren't built. They weren't fostered. So we went on a journey of seeking that love from other people, other men, relationships. Um, but it's, it's, again, that's operating from fear, right? So when you're operating from fear, you kind of just, anything happens. You're kind of living like a, almost a misaligned life where things are always happening um, because it's the underlining operating um, energy is fear. So, yeah. What did it feel like to be misaligned for you? Um, it felt like, it felt like a disconnect with my body. So mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, I just wasn't connected to those aspects because again, I was living externally. I was looking for other people to, to fill all those things for me and other things, um, foods, even physically you're looking for comfort foods. So I was misaligned in what I was feeding my body. And if I was coming from a place of self-love, then I'm very conscious now of what I feed my body. Um, but if feel to feel misaligned just feels like you're not grounded. You feel pulled everywhere. You don't feel like yourself. You just feel off. You can have tiny moments of happiness, but there's this underlining lingering that is, it's a very unsettled place. Mm -hmm. That's how I would describe feeling that way. Yeah. And in my experience, I found that it builds over time right? Like there, there's an initial kernel of something where you feel it and you're like, oh, something, something doesn't feel right. And if we don't listen to that voice, then another, then another voice comes in and it gets a little bit louder and louder. And for me, it got to the point where I could hear those voices and I knew exactly what they were saying, but I didn't think it was possible to change my alignment at one point yeah. until I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't even recognize who was staring back. Wow. Right. And that was a really powerful moment for me of it's not a choice for me to change at this point. 
-hmm. if I don't, I'm not going to survive this. Yeah. So I'm wondering, was there a specific moment or um, an event that sparked in you that I need to live in a different way? I think um, when I had my health issues. So when I met my um, partner now, Joe, I met him like 10 years ago. When we got together, I had I was suddenly having a lot of physical health issues, rashes, um, uh just so many things that for three and a half years, we didn't know what was going on and skin issues. But what I believe was like my unconscious and the pain and trauma I was carrying with me. I finally felt safe in the presence of Joe, my partner. And I feel like we can't heal if, we're, if we don't feel safe, if we don't feel at ease. So I hadn't ever really felt at ease. And then you meet someone who can hold that space for you and your body just feel, feels like uh, now I can let go. Now I can release. But it's, but there's, like you said, it's like the compound effect. There's a buildup of all of that. So all of these health issues just came to the surface for me to look at, right? Those are all things that I shoved down that I never acknowledge. All inner ch child in me, inner youth that I just neglected and didn't give my own love. And the, it, those parts of me felt safe to be seen. So that's what, that's what put me on the journey of Almost like it was, I had an awakening like earlier before that there's just little parts of me too that, like you said, you'd hear little voices or whispers, but the health issues that came to the surface were really the catalyst. And that's what led me to the Reiki energy healing. So um, I just took the course because I felt drawn to it. I felt like there was something going on with my hands when I would like put my hands on Joe. He's like, oh, there's heat. He always, it feels like you always know where my pain is. And that's what kind of led me on the journey to Reiki. And that was 2014, so it's been almost 10 years. And I did not know that at the time that it was going to be my full-time business or purpose, right? Um, but yeah, my health issues. And I think we just ignore, like you said, we ignore what's happening in the body until it gets so friggin' loud that we have no choice to listen. Mm -hmm. And the difficulty with that, it's, it's going back to that concept of the body keeps the score. Yeah. Right. As much as we want to imagine that we have control over this body and that I can control my emotions and I can just keep shoving them down and just keep pushing them in and then I'm in control. Mm -hmm. That's such an illusion yeah. because the body holds yeah. all of those things that we think we're, we are controlling. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering what are some of the things that you do in your work to create safe spaces where people that you're working with can start to reconnect with their, with their bodies and what's going on with them. Um, yeah. So with my Reiki sessions, um, when I first began like 2014, I was really in my logical brain. So when I'm doing sessions, I was worried that they weren't liking it. They couldn't feel anything. What if they mm -hmm. like there, I was literally working on my logical brain. I was following all the steps that we learned to do, um, the Reiki, as you know, like the hand, uh, positions mm -hmm. and everything. <clears throat> so I wasn't working intuitively. I was trying trying, trying, trying to make it good for them, trying. And I find when we are in a space of trying, we leave in the authentic place of being. So I, my uh, sessions have evolved to when I'm sitting with my client, I'm holding that space with pure love. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just being, and I'm connected to the universal energy 
and allowing that to flow through me to help this person because we we aren't healing anyone. We're we're holding that space so that person can choose healing, even unconsciously if that's what they need. Um, so just to be in an energy of love for somebody with no judgment and I'm not that's it. I find that very powerful. There's no extra bells and whistles. It's just being that people can feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really powerful. And I, it's, I think it's really deeply connected to what you were saying earlier about that idea of self-love because the programming in our society is very much that you, you are not enough. Yeah. You have to have the, all these qualifications or you have to have, um, you have to have done all of these things. And it is what keeps us locked in our logical brain in so yeah. many ways. When you were talking about that, I was, so I took, I took my master's with you as well. My master's yeah. of Reiki with you. And I very much find myself in that same place of, I, I, I always start out in my thinking brain yeah, um, and that logical brain. And it takes some time to really let go all of those threads or ties that keep us connected to that old programming of you are not enough. Yeah when we are we are it <laughs> we are we are really all there is and i find if we're operating from ego sometimes like that's the ego place right because we want somebody to enjoy what we're doing so then they can tell us that it was really good right mm-hmm. or they enjoyed it so we're actually we're actually doing that to serve ourselves in that aspect mm-hmm. so if you it's okay if the person didn't enjoy the session, that's okay too. So again, with the control, we're trying to control the outcome to make it pleasing for ourselves, but you, it has to be flipped around. It's, it's not about ourselves. When we're doing Reiki, it's not about us. It's about mm-hmm. that, that person on the table. Um, and again, like just operating from love and it's a whole different energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just in case there's someone listening who isn't familiar with Reiki, could you talk about what Reiki is? Yeah. So the essence of Reiki is love. So in simplicity terms, simplistic terms, it's the energy of love. So it's holding space for somebody and you have your massage table, people lay on the table, beautiful music going, essential oils. So a Reiki is just light touch. It's very light touch. And it's amazing because I think the, I think it's a, our practitioner's hands get a thousand times hotter than whatever mm-hmm. we learned in our manual. I think it was that mm-hmm. But anyway, it just gets super hot. I've had people ask me if I put, uh, oh, the, the heating pads you put on me were really nice. I'm like, those are my hands. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like uh, touch therapy. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think of Reiki as pouring love into the pain parts of our body. Mm-hmm. And it's it's dissolving things. It's it's bringing light energy into the body and, and releasing things. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to explain until you actually have a session too to, to know how it, it is for you because every session is unique. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a really bre- a beautiful visual of pouring love into all of the pain places. Yeah. Right. Because that is in Reiki, it makes it so intentional. Yeah. In doing that and doing that work alone also is really, really difficult. Having someone else there to support us 
and just to pour that love in because we don't often have that experience, yeah. right? We're in exchange, which is a beautiful thing too. Exchange yeah. is also great, but we also do need those times where someone just pours love and light and all of the things that we need into us. Mm-hmm. I love it because sometimes I'm working on a client and they'll be like, oh, it just feels like I'm being hugged or wrapped in this warm energy. And these mm-hmm. are it's people that haven't even had Reiki and they're they're telling me colors that they're seeing of the chakras. Like it's a pretty profound experience. I always say at the least you feel is super relaxed, but people have come out of the session there in tears and mm-hmm just don't know what's going to happen and how often do we take time just to be and to rest we're so busy living in the external world that it's not really familiar to us just to rest and and obviously we go to sleep but it's different to be in this a meditative state where you're just going within and you're observing your body how you're feeling your thoughts your your emotions like you're just in observation mode and, and witnessing what's happening and that's how you get connected back to yourself Right. If you feel disconnected because you're so pulled by the external world, that's an opportunity for you to just be within within yourself. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's so important. And it's not a narrative that we hear enough. I actually hear your voice in my head a lot. It was one of your I think one of your women's um, evenings and you had done a reading for me and we were talking about rest. And you said, yeah, I rest whenever I need it now. Mm -hmm. And that alone was a transformational thought for me, especially because where I am, I am used to one way of being where it was just, you got on a train in September and you didn't get off that train until June (laughs) and there was no rest. And so now I get to decide the pace of my day, which is transformational in and of itself but i still was feeling that internal motor of but you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to prove your productivity you need to prove what you're doing and now i hear your voice saying no rest when you need it yeah and each day i'm trying to take some intentional time yeah to rest yeah i always say i'm more productive and being in being than doing because mm-hmm. we, we see what everyone else is doing, like, oh, I need to do that. I have to do that. Like, that's what they're doing. And we're like, we're on this constant strive of like trying to do what everyone else is doing in order to be successful. But when you like understand your own, your own gifts and your own strengths and skills and talents, and you just look at your, at yourself um, and do your own thing. Like, I don't really follow or do, like I connect it to my friends and stuff, but I'm not following all these people just to see what they're doing because I can figure out what I want to do. That's the most authentic place. If we're looking at to see what other people are doing, which it's okay to do that, but I'm just saying you want to be in your own authentic energy. But with, with resting, it's like, I remember like having a session that felt really tired after. So I was laying down and like, I felt so guilty. I'm like, why am I feeling guilty for resting? It's two in the afternoon, feeling bad. I think a lot of society makes you feel guilty. Like, well, you're being lazy. Even when we're young, we're laying in bed and our parents call us lazy because we're resting. Like, of course, it's ingrained in us that we're being lazy and not productive. Um, And then I remember laying in the hammock in the backyard and I said, I give myself permission just to be. And I could feel my whole soul just relax. As soon as I gave myself permission, not anyone else had to do that for me. And then that's that's when it started for me just to understand. Like, how can we 
be moving, moving, moving all the time and feel like we can be productive when we're not putting gas in our tank. The car eventually runs dry. You yeah. need to stop and maintenance for yourself. Yeah, that idea of self-sovereignty mm-hmm. is is a really big one, right? Because we are so programmed to look for external permission, external validation, that knowing that we can just give ourselves permission to be as we need to be is um, a transformational process. Yeah. And think of how when we're growing up, like we're looking for permission and affirmation from our teachers, our parents, our peers. We were like constructed that way to be looking for external validation. So it's un- so if you can understand the root of why that is, and then you can start understanding that now it's time for you to give, you don't need anyone's permission to leave your job or, you know, do whatever it is that you want to do. You don't want to like get to the end of your life where you're like, I wish I had done that. I wish I had done that. You're not going to, you're not going to say, I wish I worked more. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Especially when, when your work isn't something that you love. And I understand like we need to do what we need to do. But if your soul is like really calling to you and it's asking you, like, we just, we, something needs to change. Then I really believe that we should honor that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you as well. And I think having stepped out of some pretty significant societal structures, Mm -hmm. I think that is part of what perpetuates those structures, right? Is the feeling that I have to abandon myself. Yeah to be successful. I have to abandon myself to assimilate to this structure. And then we just keep perpetuating that structure that we had to abandon ourselves for. And, and time goes by, it keeps going by day, another day, another day, another week, another month, another year, um, that we've can, like you said, we continue to uh, abandon ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about when you first, um, came to connect with your spirituality? Um, It's funny because I'll look at posts like in my Facebook memories in like 2012, 2010. I was, I was writing like a lot of being the observer of life. Like I was actually writing that. So I know that I've always felt and thought differently. I remember Mm -hmm. giving my dad a card that when I was a birthday card, when I was nine and we still have it, it said, don't worry about turning your age because there's no such thing as time. So I had some sort of something there. Um, and I, I think I just trusted what I was feeling and just kept trusting that and and going with it. And like spirituality to me isn't spirituality to me is just being connected to your, your, your soul. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's not, it's not all the, everything outside of ourselves that we see is spiritual. It's just connected to your soul and your, your beliefs and understanding yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, I always like, I remember being little and being able and and knowing that there was something greater than me i remember feeling things that sometimes i knew weren't mine but i didn't really know how to process that because i grew up in a religious tradition so um spirituality was initially brought to me in that way right through the church and what that looked like and there were some lovely things about that. There was some beautiful community in that. Um, I came to understand the power of ritual. Okay. Like to this day, 
still, when I go into, I grew up in the Anglican church. And when I go into a church, which doesn't happen very often, but that muscle memory is there. The words are there, the um, stand-ups, sit, kneel, all of those things are there. And there is such a deep uh, peace Mm. that is connected Mm. to those, to those rituals. Yeah. Uh, which were the foundation for how I use ritual in my life now, which is connected to that same feeling, but it looks very differently in my life now. And I have been really afraid for a long time to be really open about my spirituality. There were very few people in my life that I spoke to about experiences that I had or my real core beliefs. Mm especially because I was in a structure of academia where if you can't prove it, it's not valuable. So it's taking a lot for me to undo all of the weavings of those narratives and to be able to show up presently and honestly about my spirituality and spirituality beliefs. And I'm just wondering if you had to overcome any of those things as well. Yeah. It's, it's a fear of, um, rejection and being judged, right? Like if I show my true self, then I'm going to be judged. So I find a lot of people hold back on sharing um, because of that fear. Like what will people people think of me? Now, remember like when I started my spiritual journey years ago too, I actually created another Facebook just for my spiritual friends and connections and for me to talk and share. And then I had my personal one. And then one day I was like, why am I splitting myself apart. This is actually who I am. And I'm going to just show up as who I am. And people will enter your life, people will leave your life, we can't attach ourselves to to really anything that's happened externally. And I find like, once you share from that authentic place, and just, it's a really beautiful thing, because then you really start to um, make authentic connections with other people who are on the same kind of journey. And again, coming from that place of love. Um, yeah. And I just wanted to say earlier when you were talking about like going to the job, like we go to jobs that we don't enjoy. It's all survival though. Right. Like we do those things because we want to survive. It's in our, it's in our unconsciousness and our DNA that I need to work so I can make money so I could eat and feed my family. If I, if I don't do that, I'm not going to survive. Truth yeah. is we do as, as you're an example, you do survive and you thrive. Um, but that's what I feel like that's what's really ingrained. So we just keep doing what we're going to, we need to, we think we need to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is, that is such an important um, element to bring forward because it is that it is all of the things that are connected to fear. Yeah. That keep us tied into a place where we know we don't belong. Yeah. 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 And we feel that we, we know we don't belong there. And that again is like ego or love and, and fear or love. And it's true. Like back in the, caveman days you know we were we probably lived they probably lived a lot in fear they had to chase their animal like it was food was scarce so Mm -hmm. that is so i feel like the operating system still kind of in our dna but we also can change it we can change it to what actually works for us now in this time of evolution and and, you know there's so many opportunities and a lot of people like compare themselves to other people and it's like what makes us different from anyone else? Like, why would we think that we can't do what other people are doing? Like what, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. So we might as well just go for it. Um, I had a client that 
shared with me that like my majestic reflections not now called my affirmation journal that changed her life um because she was at a job she didn't like and that that journal reminded her of her truth and her beauty and her worth and like that con- completely changed the trajectory of her life and now she's doing meditations and singing bowls and her reiki like such a beautiful sometimes we that's what we need lisa is like someone else to shine their light on us so we can see our own light and and start to stand in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you are working with clients, are there some specific tools or strategies that you give them, especially if they're at the beginning of that self-love journey? Because that can be a really uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. Because it's such a shift in how we, in how we think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just wondering, are there specific I don't, meditations or strategies that you give them yeah. to really start getting into that space of self-love? Yeah, I definitely share meditations. Like I have um, recorded ones for self-love, especially. Um, and I do like, I give my clients like maps. Um, so it's like looking at your life, your relationships, family, social work, how do you actually want your life to look? Because a lot of times we're focused on what we don't like in our life. Oh, I hate my job. I don't like my relationship. So we're, mm-hmm. what we, as we know, what we focus on grows. So like we stay on that energy, but it's like, how do you want your life to look? What If you can have a clean slate and step apart from the unlimited or the limited beliefs of thinking you're not worthy of all that or, or whatever it is, if you were just here placed on earth, what would you want your life to look like and your relationships and all that? So clarity is power. So I like people to get clear and connect to their heart center of what they what they would like. Um, and then just tools like asking yourself, does this feel right for me right now? Like what if you're making a decision, don't worry about what other people in that moment are going to think. How does it feel for you in your heart? Does it feel right and light? So just little tools um, just to help people, again, build that relationship with themselves and to discover um, what it is that they desire in life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, clarity is power. Yeah. That's such an important statement to hold on to. Right? Yeah. To really think about. And I love that visioning what you want your life to be because absolutely so much, so much of um, who we are is stuck in when, when we're in that fear place, yeah. we're stuck in that place of all of the things that are causing us to feel fear or causing us to feel out of alignment yeah. And when you started talking about the map, I felt that shift mm-hmm. over to when I am mapping out what I want my world to look like, my lived experience to look like, there's a shift into, into alignment. And the other comp- important component, Lisa, is how do you, what do you want your life to feel like? Mm-hmm. Feel. So yes, here's what it looks like. And then now we're going to connect to our emotions of what you want it to feel like. I want to feel peace and confidence and, and love and compassion, like connect to the feelings. Um, and that, because it's our feelings are what creates our outer world. Right. So mm-hmm. I share that as well. And then you, I want people to like envision to sit with their vision of what they want. And then how would it physically feel and emotionally in your body? If that, if that was happening right now. Um, it's very powerful for people because our 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 minds don't know reality um, from fiction, right? So we can start. That's what I I use is imagination. Is like mm-hmm. without that, we really have nothing. When I think of the huge buildings or the CN Tower, or the all these 
bridges, like people had to use their imagination to create those things. Everything that we're doing right now was someone's imagination, the computer, the cameras, like whatever it is. So how, how beautiful it is to step into your own energy of, an imag- of imagination and then create your world from, from that. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. And it's super fun. <laughs> it's so fun, right? There's so much, we, we make everything so serious, yeah. right? And everything has to have this weight. Um, but when you start living in that space of, of imagination, you remember what it is to play. Yes. Yeah. And to live in that space of joy, you know, when we're, when we're children, we, that's all we did. Yeah. That's what we did. We play was our work. Yeah. Um, yeah. that was a really important part of the learning I did for my university degree, actually, which I appreciate the way it's playing out in my life now. So you never know where those seeds exactly. that were planted early on play out, yeah. but yeah, play is the work of childhood but it is also the work of adulthood. Yeah. But we don't let ourselves make those connections. Right. And, it, and it's, it, it really is fun. Yeah. It's the simplicity of it, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be so complex. It's like stepping into that beautiful um, energy of imagination and just designing your world and, and also releasing expectations of outcomes, right? I feel like we need to be open because if, something doesn't turn out how we want it to be, we can be disappointed and we feel like, oh, this doesn't work. I'm going to give up. So it's the same when I put out my first book, I I imagined it being a bestseller. And I actually found um, a journal I'd written that in a a year later and it became a bestseller like a week after that date. So I I would sit there and when we had a hot tub and I'd have my cup of tea and I would just visualize all of these things that I wanted to happen. But yeah, releasing... um, expectations, just letting it be. Because sometimes obviously things turn out better than we even imagined. So that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that concept of surrender. Yes. Right. Which is challenging, especially when you're early on in the, on that self-love and spirituality pathway, mm-hmm. because there's, there's that um, tension between, between action and surrender. Yeah right? Surrendering doesn't mean just like, okay, universe, I here, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to yeah. sit here now and you do all the work. Yeah. Right. It's that idea of co-creation yeah. with the universe that I surrender my need. For me, I visualize it as my hands gripping yeah. the steering wheel. Yeah. And I have done that my whole life. I I even remember when I was young and I was taking horseback riding lessons, my instructor would always say to me, Lisa, you don't need to grip the reins so tight because I'd be like this. And that tension lived in my body. When I was learning to drive, it was the same thing. And that tension became um, the status point for my body that I was gripping onto the wheel so tightly, trying to be in total control for safety. Yes. That I didn't that I didn't leave any room for the power of letting go. Yeah. And allowing creating, creating my intention and surrendering. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we, we're afraid of surrendering because it means we're letting go of control. Mm-hmm. But the more we try to control, the more out of control we feel. Because then yeah. you're trying to control other people, situations, everything's trying to be controlled. And at the core of all of the control and not surrendering is we fear feeling pain. Yeah. 
That's the only reason we try to control to avoid feeling pain. Like it's this bad thing. How do we, how do we grow and change without pain? We can't. So yeah, letting go, allowing and, and trusting that's all we can do. And then being in control of our own external environment. Like that's where we're most empowered, not outside of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think people, I think not people, I think we are worried about pain in that if we feel pain, we will never not feel it again. Yeah. And part of the surrender is saying, I allow myself to feel this pain now, knowing that it is not permanent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's, you're right. It's like, we have to understand that. It's like our unconsciousness is thinking that this is it. We're going to mm-hmm. feel it forever, but. Yeah. And the <laughs> longer we push off that pain, the bigger that pain wave becomes, right? Whereas if we just allow it yeah. to come through and let it be with us in the moment, it will, wa- it will wash through and wash away what needs to be washed away. Yeah. And what I find when we're avoiding pain is we're actually already in pain. Yeah. 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 So yeah, release that and just recognize that. I think self-honesty, kind of what you said earlier, you had to get honest with yourself. I really think people are afraid to get honest with themselves because that means something might have to change. And Mm -hmm. we fear change because we fear the unknown because our logical brain likes to know things and understand how things are going to work out. So we stay in this little cocoon, afraid to fly. Mm-hmm. and we're not trusting our, our own wings. Yeah. And there's so much to trust. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that is helping me do that is my entrepreneur journal. So this was the first simple journal that you put out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm wondering what was the spark for you in writing um, in creating this series of journals? Um, so I wanted, I loved writing gratitude affirmations, but I found like I was writing it in different books or writing my goals. Like I had 10 different journals with all of the things that I like to write and it was just very unorganized and my brain, which can be scattered sometimes. I like again, simplicity and to see things organized. So I thought I need to create my own journal with things like the intention, um, the self care goals, the evening reflection. I wanted to create one that I like and then why not share it with other people if it's something that they like as well so the inspiration inspiration for creating that was just me again out of nowhere like i'm just going to create my own journal with what i want in it Mm -hmm. that's it yeah that's it um, one of the things that's really unique about this journal that i really like that has changed my journaling practice is Well, one, the simplicity of it, because it doesn't take forever, right? So it gives me a few moments of intention setting at the beginning of the day. But what's really unique and that I appreciate about this journal is the um, self-reflection at the end of the day, so that it brings you back to what was my intention for today, and I'm going to reflect on how that looked in my day today. Yeah. And to see, like, if what you did differently or where there's something that maybe needs to change or where you maybe were felt a little bit stuck. Um, how often do we really reflect on our days? Sometimes laying in bed, reflecting on them, but that's just this, again, it's another, a more organized place where we can sit down. And I think it's beautiful because it's a 90 day journal. And sometimes I'll flip back and look at the pages because I finished one already. 
it's almost like you've written a book of your journey. Mm -hmm. I think that I just thought that element didn't come till after I was like reflecting back on how far I've come from releasing that first one to now the third one working on the fourth. Like we, like it's so important for growth to have introspection and to reflect on how far we've come. Cause we can think, Oh, I'm not, I haven't done anything. I haven't. And then we're like, Oh wait, this is where I was. And now look, it's accomplished since then. Yeah, it is. It's really important to, write those things down so that you can reflect on the journey because the things that we think, Oh, I'll never forget this. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. But having it there is so important. Yeah. So the first one was my entrepreneur journal. Yeah. And then the second one was my grief journal. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what the inspiration was behind um, moving in, moving towards grief. Um, my, we lost our dog in August and he, he helped me a lot on my healing journey. Um, so I needed, I found when I would have like grief has a lot of anger. So when I have, when I'd have moments of anger, I had to write them, I had to write it out to get it out of my body. So I'd always feel lighter after I released that, but I find with grief and we're sharing with other people, we're always still holding a part of ourselves back, right? We don't know if we are going to be judged by the person or or whatever it is. So we, if we're sharing, we still hold a piece of our back, ourselves back with the journal. You're just writing out how you're feeling. Um, and each page has, um, a beautiful healing affirmation to start the the journaling process. And it's literally just how am I feeling right now or what emotion has been coming up the most for me. And I'm just big on journaling because we can have everything, um, moving within our bodies and hold on to everything, or we can just feel it, let it go and then experience healing, healing as we go. So it's not this big, giant thing that we have to work on. We're working on it piece by piece, moment by moment. Mm-hmm. And having um, a container to put all of that in yeah, is so, it's really helpful, especially when we think about grief. There's so, there's so much societal construct around grief and what grief is and what it looks like and how long you should grieve for. Yeah. And it's, it just becomes part of your identity. Yeah. yeah. Right. When you've experienced grief, I lost my mom when I was 30. My youngest was six months old. My oldest was not quite two. And it, it changes you. Yeah. Right. That saying of time heals all wounds is not really true. And it's not that you don't heal, you heal, but time just changes how you experience that loss and how you experience that grief. And it becomes, yeah, a through line in your identity. It just becomes a new, a new part of your heart and a new way of being in the world and having a journal where you can come back to that every day and make space for that every day is so, so important. Yeah. I believe time softens our pain. It doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily heal it. I feel like that once one, some, some wounds are there and the memories that are held within that. They can be mm-hmm. there forever and that's okay too, but yeah. they just become softer and quieter. So they're not as, as loud when it's fresh and raw. Um, mm-hmm. It's also journaling your grief journey is also an opportunity to reflect on the darkness that you probably didn't think that you were going to get through. Mm-hmm. And then here you are in your light again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And to, and to just make space for that darkness, you know, like you said, knowing that it's a, it's okay to have that wound. It's okay to hold that space of darkness and hurt and knowing that 
it's, it's just, it's part of this journey and who, and who you are and who you are becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, so the third one, oh, sorry. Did you want to say no, something? I was just going to say the third one's my, the, yeah, my affirmation journal. Yeah. And that one, so I released a journal, um, Majestic Reflections in 2019. I don't know. I never promoted it. I don't know. I just, Heart is Where the Home Is was like my big one. And then I put that out. Um, and then just recently, I'm like, I feel like I need to revise Majestic Reflections because it's beautiful affirmations and re- reminding people of the beauty and truth and, and their worth. And um, I thought I'd just revise it, put some new messages in it, new energy, new cover. and then. I've just put that one out again and I don't know. I really like that one. I'm actually going to be reading passages each day, like weekly on my YouTube channel. Just, I used to do that before and just a nice um, moment of reflection for people too. Mm -hmm. And it's to help people, sorry, Lisa, it's to help people realize like everything they seek is within them, right? The confidence, love, light, magic, playfulness, that's all within yourself. We don't need to go outside of ourselves to find anything. So it's reminding people just to look within. Mm-hmm. Once you go within, you will never go without. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Once you go within, you will never go without. That's, yeah. that's really great. Yeah. Um, so what, are you ready to talk about the fourth one? You said you're working on a fourth one. Yeah, I'm, I have several, but I'm doing a, just my gratitude journal. So it's just gratitude. So it'll just be space for I'm grateful for. And mm-hmm. then I'm doing my empath journal and mm-hmm. my anxiety journal. Um, and my self-love journal. And that's like, it's like 90 questions. So questions that you answer yourself and kind of, that's like helping someone build a relationship with themselves. Um, And the empath journal is to help people ground and balance our energy and to release because we know what we're HSPs, highly sensitive people, or Mm -hmm. really carry a lot. So it's, that's going to be tools to help people put down what they don't need to carry with them. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that one. I need that (laughs) in my life. I know. I need it too. (laughs) Well, my affirmation for this week was something wonderful is coming. I am open and ready to receive it. And this was something really wonderful. Thank you so much for spending this time with us this morning. Thank you for having me. Lisa. It was a lovely honor. It was. Thank you. Bye. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big home. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour.